Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our series over marriage. This series is called A Strong Marriage Before Marriage. And we're going to be interviewing several different couples who have been married for a long time and have some wisdom for us to glean. Our series is based on the Proverbs 3, 13 and 14, where it says that wisdom is more valuable than silver or even gold. As we seek to learn from these couples, we'll gain wisdom and understanding and application for our lives today and for our future as we look at being prepared to be married. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. Proverbs 3, 13 and 14 says, Happy or blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who obtains understanding. For her income is better than the income of silver and her revenue of that of gold. She is more precious than rubies and all you desire cannot compare with her. And so in this uh, proverb, we see that we're supposed to be seeking wisdom. And so as we seek wisdom, one of the biggest decisions of our lives, uh, for most of us in here are not married, one of the biggest decisions of our life is who we're going to marry. Who are we going to marry? And so we want to seek wisdom on that topic. And so in order to do that, we've contacted five of the most wise and most understanding and knowledgeable married couples we could find. And uh, they all said no, but we got <laughs> Today we got Buddy and Mark. Anyway, so uh, we're, we're going to hope that we enjoy it today. Uh, what we're going to look at, our question, we're doing one question a week. Okay, last week was, why do we get married? Uh, and a lot of that was kind of on the, hey, here's some wrong reasons why people get married and the negative results that come with that. Today, we're doing, what about boundaries? What about boundaries? So this can be uh, before marriage. It can be in marriage, too, by the way. It should be in both, right? But today, we're going to kind of focus on what are boundaries, what do those look like, and some things like that. We're going to be in two passages of Scripture. You can turn there now if you want to. You can wait till later. But it's Song of Solomon 2. Song of Solomon 2, we're going to look at one verse there, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. And then 2 Samuel 7, 11, we got a few verses that we're going to look at there as well with David. So today we're hoping that we all understand practical boundaries, and more important, the reasoning behind important boundaries or practical boundaries and how we can live those out in our life uh, prior to marriage and in marriage. So, Buddy and Bart, without further ado, would you guys come on up here? Give them a round of applause. Alright, so we have several questions that we're going to go through. I'm going to sit down because I don't want to stand up the whole time. Off? What? What time are you going to cut us off? So Depends on how good you are. We're going to decide, okay? Um, we, we'll probably go to 1045. Uh, last week we went really long, so we're going to try and keep it shorter this time. Uh, but tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, maybe in two or three minutes, tell us like your love story. I mean, how long have you guys been married? Your names, I already told them, but you can tell them that again. Well, I'm Buddy Bowler Jack, and this is my wife, Barbara. And uh, I was born in Texas. I was just, just seven miles south of the Oklahoma Panhandle. I, I'm turning around in this church. I, and uh, Barb was born in Canada and lived in California. And so I met her when I was in the Air Force. I was 21, and she was 25. No. no. The other way around. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
We've been married for 47 years. We've got two boys, Brent, and and he married Lori, and we have a younger son, two years younger, who's a, he and his wife are gospel singers, and uh, they, they live in, uh, around Oklahoma City area. And uh, we've got three grandchildren, two of which are in here. There <laughs> Greta, Millie, and George. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay, so I just want to tell you a little story about when we first met. We, we met at church. He came to my church, at, which was a relatively small church. There's another whole story about that we're not going to go into. But anyway, so the weekend after he visited our church, <clears throat> there was a youth retreat. And, and this was a small church. So youth encompassed junior high through college and career, which is where we were. And um, <clears throat> so he came to that retreat, and we talked a lot that weekend. We were the oldest people there, like we are this morning. We're always the oldest <laughs> people. I don't know how many but anyway. And, <clears throat> and uh, he found out, you know, that, that not only was I going to college, that I, but I worked at Sears part-time. So the next Sunday, we, when we got to church, he approached me, and he said, I went to Sears yesterday, and you weren't there. And I said, well, what, what Sears did you go to? And he said, Sears in Pasadena. And I said, I don't work at Sears in Pasadena. And I said, I work at Sears in Alhambra. So the next, the next Sunday, <laughs> he approached me again and said, I went to Sears in Alhambra yesterday, and you weren't there. <laughs> and I said, I didn't work yesterday. <laughs> and I was thinking up here. Why don't you just ask for my phone number? <laughs> ultimately, ultimately, he did, and our first date was Disneyland, the beach, and two movies. Oh, wow. wow. And after that, she pursued me, and my boundaries were weak. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh, man. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to filter out the lies. If, <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, so I want to start, and I, I didn't tell them this, but I want to actually start with Song of Solomon here and talk a little bit about it before we move on to boundaries, uh, just because I, I really love Song of Solomon. And if, you know, there's a lot of ways that people interpret Song of Solomon or whatever, but the most literal and I think the best and most practical way to interpret it is that the first couple chapters are talking about before marriage. Uh, the middle chapters are talking about the consummation of marriage, and then the final chapters are talking about within marriage, and they all relate back to purity. So it's like, how are you pure before marriage? How are you pure, uh, pure within consummation of the marriage process? And then how are you pure after marriage? And so this is Song of Solomon, chapter 2. It's in the section that's before marriage. Okay, And this says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and by the hinds of the field, that you do not arouse or awaken love until it pleases and there's a bunch of people that interpret this a bunch of different ways. Uh, but this guy named Garrett, Dwayne Garrett, he does a really good job, and I agree with him on it. This is a quote from him. It says, but neither is plausible. And he's talking about neither. He's talking about the two other options that people interpret it as, which are uh, that the awakening of love is disturbing a dream or a sexual encounter. So this is, these are more liberal people that are trying to interpret this in a way that they want to interpret it. And so he says neither is even plausible because uh, she tells them not to arouse love itself. This charge is that the girls should not allow themselves to be aroused sexually until the proper time and person arrives. The natural joy of sexual awakening is ruined by premature experimentation. And so I love Song of Solomon because it's, it talks about this purity. And not only that, it, it shows, if you go through it and you read it and you study it, it shows boundaries. 
and it shows that we have to have these proper boundaries in place in order to have this pure relationship, which is what God wants us to have, and in order for our marriage to get off on the right foot, uh, which is the wise, not, it's also the godly thing to do, but it's also the wise thing to do because it, into as we talked about last week, into our going into our marriage, we have this now uh, strong marriage and these better foundations uh, for marriage. So the first question I have for you guys, uh, Buddy and Bart, is we just define boundaries for us. Just talk about boundaries. What what are they? Um, just define them for us. I have to read. Okay, that's fine. First of all, we're by no means experts on boundaries. Um, we, we still have boundary issues that we work on. Um, <clears throat> a boundary is like a property line. And, and what's inside that boundary is your responsibility. You know, in, in, on your property, you're responsible to mow the lawn and whatever, and your neighbor is responsible for their property. Um, <clears throat> some, people, some people's boundaries are like high, thick walls, and no one can get through them, and it's hard to get to know those people. Uh, and then there are other people are at like the opposite end that have no perceivable boundaries and everybody just walks all over their property anytime they want to. Um, <clears throat> God, God has boundaries for us and we can find them in the Bible and I think it's good for us to, as we're reading the Bible, to identify those boundaries um, and you know, take, take note of them. Now, boundaries <coughs> apply to almost every area and stage of life. Um, I, I just think of, of, of parents with kids, parents training their kids. Um, I remember, sorry Millie, but <laughs> I remember when she was just walking and, and they lived on a corner and there was a sidewalk there and, and she was walking down the sidewalk and Brent was close to her. Well, she she wanted to step into the street and, and go out there and Brent grabbed her hand. She was not happy. <laughs> Firstborn. <laughs> and <clears throat> so, so toddlers don't like it at all, really, when their parents prevent them from, from doing things they want to do. Uh, they need to be taught not to cross boundaries like this for their own safety. Boundaries are for safety and protection. Um, <clears throat> Um, m many parents threaten but don't follow through, and and then and then at sometimes sometimes they do follow through. Then then the kid gets confused really, and and you have continual conflict. Um, they need to be taught to obey the boundaries their parents have set for them, and when they get older, uh, it will be easier for them to recognize the boundaries God has set for them and be able to respond to to God's authorities, authority. As teenagers, <coughs> difficulties can come up when we get into situations uh, when we're with a friend or a group of friends who are wanting to do something that, that we're not comfortable with. And we need to learn to <coughs> say no in these kinds of situations. And, and until we can learn to say no, there may be some people in situations we need to stay away from. When I think of boundaries, there's a lady that comes to mind right away. And it's a, an older lady that was a real good friend of my grandmother's in Colorado Springs. She knew how to set boundaries. She knew how to, to defend those boundaries. And she knew how to give consequences. 
we were at her house and she was having a uh, a party I think it was a anniversary party so there were a lot of people and in the kitchen were about six or eight small children I was in the kitchen for some reason with Mrs. Cargill and the kids mothers were all in there well Mrs. Cargill made an announcement she says I've made cookies for the kids and I've got milk for them but I have a rule you've got to eat it at this table I don't want any accidents on my carpet or crumbs and so she handed the cookies out and this one little boy grabbed his cookies and starts heading for the dining room. Well, she just stepped over in front of him and says, where are you going? He says, I'm going in there. She says, did you hear my rule? Yes, I don't have to do that. She snatched the cookie right out of his hand. <laughs> and he fell on the floor and he was throwing a fit, kicking his feet and hitting his hand. And Mrs. Cargill looked over to the mother and winked at her and said, as if to say, I'll handle this. <laughs> and she looked and watched him kicking his feet, having a fit, and she says, bent over, she says, hit those, hit that floor harder, kick those feet. <laughs> and finally the kid looked up at her and he she says, Are you ready to obey my rules? So he goes over, sits down, she hands him the cookies back, and he gets up to go again. She stepped over in front of him and snatched him out of his hand again. And she says, That was your last chance. The mother never said a word. I was expecting a real explosion of something. My, my heart rate was up. I was, <laughs> but the mother said nothing. The kid obeyed her. You know, and I don't think her heart rate went up one bit. She was completely cool. And I was amazed. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, yeah, along, so along with that, I know I said, well, we may not follow the script exactly, but boundaries, okay, they're, they're a line that, uh, you know, we don't cross like a fence or a wall like you were saying. And so what do you guys think? Do you think that's like something for us to not go out or for someone to not come in or both? You know what I mean? I think boundary is like having a wall, but you need to have a gate in it. Mm. And you need to be able to open that gate and let the good come in. Mm. But you can close it and keep the bad out. For example, when you want to open it is the fact that you may say, well, God is all we need, but it was God's idea that we need each other. Mm. And that God chooses to work through us, uh, work in our lives through people. We need to open that, that door and be allowed people who love us and who care about us that we feel safe with because we need somebody that we can say this is where I really am spiritually and if you're whatever's going on you need help from people we need to encourage each other and that's when that door should be open but then there may be some people even in the church that you're going to close that door on them mm. uh, and this way you keep the good in and the bad out so good because then it's like boundaries are a way of controlling what comes in uh -huh. what goes out and that gate I love that that gate okay so next our next question over the years have you seen people who have not had correct boundaries and how has that affected them this can be any type of boundary or specifically within regards to marriage um, boundaries in that light before marriage during marriage or any of that well, <clears throat> we know a couple that are married the man is very selfish, very controlling. He always gets his way. 
go out for a restaurant. She would like to go someplace. No, we're going over here. I mean, and so he runs, if she had any boundaries at all, he sure ran over them. And he controlled her by getting angry, by verbally abusing her. And he was all the time telling her ideas are stupid. So in order to, to not have anger, she, she would always give in. And as a result, their feelings for each other just kind of dwindled away. I'm expecting that they'll probably divorce. She actually, I had a conversation with her uh, by text a few weeks ago, and she told me that she actually um, threatened divorce a couple of months ago. Since then, they're talking a little more. But I mean, these people have been married almost as long as we have. Mm. They probably need to have counseling because they're going to have to swallow their pride and and be willing to compromise. You know, if, if somebody, if you're always trying to control somebody and make them do what you want, you're going to end up losing your friendships. People may not come right out and tell you right away, but they resent it. And they probably will end up avoiding you, not returning your calls because you won't accept their no. And uh, there was an, ex an example where somebody was trying to get somebody to do somebody uh, to do something, and they said no, and they they started, well, come on, just kept pressuring. Them. And finally, the person could say, you know, I don't like it when you're putting pressure on me because that makes me want to avoid you. But you're my friend, and I want to keep you as a friend. So as a result. I'm going to always say no to you when you put pressure on me and try to pressure me. That's setting a boundary. If, if they're not going to honor that boundary, chances are you, you might want to avoid them anyway. Yeah. But you want friends who, who will honor your no. And when you say you want to go out to eat and you say, I don't think so, I, well why not? Well now see that's crossing a boundary, it's none of your business. Now, sometimes people who are good friends allow that a little leeway there, but but that that could be a, a, a crossing the boundary right there. Yeah, that's good. And so, like, you know, off the cuff a little bit, but if we're uh, talking about marriage here, so is it a bad sign, or can it be a bad sign when your girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever is pushing those boundaries, um, and then also? Does, does that line, that boundary line kind of change? Which obviously I think it does, but how does it change throughout marriage? Because like, you know, if I'm married to somebody, it, it may be a little different, you know, as far as crossing those boundary lines and stuff like you were talking about. So I, I'm going off the cuff here. I gave him a script and I'm not going by it. <laughs> what question are we on? I don't know. Uh, Four and a half BC. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, just I mean, just do the boundaries change basically? Yeah, yeah. You know, because pre-marriage, it's going to look different than post-marriage, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't know. Does does that change? And if it does, like, is that okay? You know, and are there still boundaries within marriage and things like that? Well, it, as far as before marriage, um, I mean. This is not necessarily a boundary thing, but I think we need to remember that dating 
is, is a time for you to get to know the other person and get to know their character and their personality and their, their dreams for the future and their re- relationship with the Lord. And, and I think, um, it, you know, you want to you marry someone that, that you admire and respect. And if, if, that's, if that's the foundation you've built, then marriage is going to be easier. Mm. Now, after marriage, a whole new range of boundaries come in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and not just with each other. You know, you've got you've got in-laws. You know, I'm I'm not used to your family. You're not used to my family. We did things differently. You yeah. keep that one. Well, there's. Uh, Sometimes, even uh, after you're married, you may have to set boundaries with your parents. Mm. Because your parents may have been controllers, and after you get married, when you get married, the the Bible says, let the man and woman leave leave their father and mother, join with each other, and the two shall become one. At that point, your parents no longer have authority over you. Yet they may try to hang on to that authority, and we know some people who had to tell the, uh, when when the gal got sick, the parents came to the house and said, "Well, this is what we what we're going to do." And he said, "No, it's not. We will decide what we will do, and if we would need advice, we'll come to you and ask you. But you are no longer in control of, of our. This is a new family unit." And you may have to set boundaries with your parents, and, and it, that can really be a headache if you don't. And I've seen that a lot in, in younger couples in my short experience of life, is not setting boundaries with parents or in-laws or whatever. Um, so that's really good. So what areas in pre-marriage, uh, number four here, do we see boundaries as important uh, and why? So why are, what are some boundaries that are important pre-marriage? So when I'm engaged or when I'm dating or whatever and why are those important? Um, Let me preface this with that our parents, neither of our parents uh, talked to us about these things. I mean, you know, there was was that big overall standard don't have sex before marriage, you know, and that was that was almost it, Hmm. you know. uh, There and I'm not I'm not sure we did much better. Of course, Brent didn't start dating till he was like, you know, 35. He <laughs> <laughs> got married. So he wasn't really right there when we were, but anyhow. Um, so one of, one of the standards that I had was that was not to not to date a non-Christian, or not. And let me back up not to date anyone that I already knew I, I wouldn't marry. Mm. Um, and, and so underneath that came not to date a non-Christian. Because it, it, it's, I think especially for a girl, it's easy to get emotionally involved and, and drawn into a relationship even though you know it's, it's, not, it's not the one that the Lord has for you. And, and if you hang on to those kinds of relationships, then you're really deceiving that. You're deceiving yourself, but you're also deceiving that other person. Um, uh, another thing I thought about was the idea of uh, don't, 
don't let anyone pressure you to do anything you think is wrong, whether it's something physical or whether it's even um, something, just something that violates your own standards. You know, maybe there's a movie they want to go see and you know enough about that movie or the rating or whatever that you're not comfortable with that. That, that um, you, need, you need to come up with ways of saying no. Um, and, and honestly, when we were talking about this, we we're, were thinking, and you guys are probably, I'm sure you're about, maybe you're already doing this, but uh, I think it'd be great to kind of brainstorm about different situations and what kind of responses you can have ready. Yeah. Um, That's really good, and I'm, I'll let you keep going in a second, but along with that, you got to know what your standards are. Right. Right, and you know, that's something, I grew up in a Christian home, I had standards, my dad had standards, he had boundaries. Uh, but at some point, I had to make those my own. Not necessarily the exact ones he had, but I had to make those my own. And that's a weird transition from high school to college, making those your own. And so if you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend during that time, it's like you don't want to be making up your standard as you go along. Right. Because if you're making it up as you go along, I mean, I'm in love. So I'm going to make my standards a little more lax than I probably should, right? Right. So I'm right. sorry to interrupt. But that's okay. Um, we both thought of this Year, years ago we um we watched a movie i don't know whether it was a movie series or, or what by josh mcdowell and and there's one part of it that both really stuck out to us and and he talked about he talked about a high school girl who every day at lunch her friends that she ate with she had girlfriends that she ate with would would um mock her because she was a virgin and she was the only virgin in the group and um, and you know try to you know force her into wanting to lose that. And one day she she said to them, "I can become what you are anytime I want, but you can never again be what I am." This makes me choke up. But anyway, um, when you when you give yourself before marriage. Um, God still loves you and he forgives you and we all we need to remember that that you know JB says it often there's nothing we can we can do to make God love us any less um, but there are still consequences and there are st there's baggage and hurt that that you will take into your marriage um, when you protect that boundary you're able to give your spouse just um, a priceless gift um, <clears throat> and then that you do need to set boundaries on what, what you uh, will and won't do. And uh, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures here. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, and be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And then 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your, with your body. Um, I mean, we, we kept, you know, thinking of, of different scenarios. And um, one of the things I wanted to say is, is, you know, especially girls, if you're on a date, and, and your date is, is pressuring you to do something inappropriate physically, and he says, you owe it to him. 
you need to be, be prepared with the attitude and the words, I don't owe you anything. Mm -hmm. And honestly, at that point, you know, you guys probably mostly have cell phones. I would dial my cell phone and call my father or a good yeah. friend and say, I want to be picked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then verbal. <coughs> verbal, uh, think about standards for verbal communication. For instance, inappropriate language. You know, uh, in, our, in our culture today, we, we hear people using words mm -hmm. and on TV all the time that are, that really are vulgar. Um, are you going to put up with that um, with, with your date? Um, and don't continue to date to s someone who tears you down emotionally. Uh, uh, either way, it can be guy to girl, girl to guy. Do not, don't, don't let yourself do that. Don't let yourself be, be torn down by the words of, of the person that you're with and if you are ever a victim of abuse tell someone tell someone if one person does not honor your boundaries and they pressure you in dating can you imagine what it would be like in, in marriage you've got to honor each other's no yeah. or it, it can be terrible after that sorry you have anything on that? Or? Well, I used to work in a savings loan where I sat back with all of the women behind the tellers, and I'd hear what women said. And this business of a woman submitting to her husband, the word submit was, I, I didn't dare say that word <laughs> one time. Uh, and I've heard this even from ladies in the church. When you consider, and I asked I ask them one time, I said, if your husband loved you so much and he loved God better than he loved you and that he was committed to following God's word, he entered, he, he treated you as a servant. I mean, he was a servant to you. He made his decisions for what you would like for what you'd like to do. And he always, he did not demand his own way. He's always wanted them to be happy. He provides for your family. He cares. Could you not submit to a man because God is going to hold him accountable for the family, not the wife? I would think the, the, the girl would want to talk to this guy before she marries him and wants to know what he believes, what mm -hmm. they believe about child rearing. I mean, I would come up with three or 400 questions <laughs> and, and have great discussions and it would also help avoid getting involved because if you get involved physically, then there's no talking. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people who are getting married and I asked the person, well, tell me how, how he came to know the Lord. Well, she didn't even know. Mm -hmm. She didn't know. But anyway. Yeah, that's really good. And we're going to have more weeks on roles, too. Um, we're going to dive deep into that because it's, it's huge. It's a big deal. Um, and so we're going to have more weeks on that. But uh, number five, so th throughout the years, okay, we've been kind of talking about all this heavy stuff and we're all kind of down. But throughout the years, have you seen some benefits that resulted in your life, your marriage, or others' lives or marriages? 
um, because they had boundaries prior to or even within marriage. You guys see any positive stuff that's come out of that and what are they? Well, just in our own experience, um, just a, some general things here, okay? And then I'll go to our own experience. Um, thinking through boundaries can help you be prepared to be wise about situations that you will encounter. I mean, there are going to be situations to encounter. Um, having boundaries can protect you from getting pregnant before marriage. Having boundaries can protect, protect you from uh, getting a sexually transmitted disease. I mean, there are all kinds of implications, just not what we, right. our fuzzy warm feelings. Yeah. Um, and it can also help you establish friendships that respect and honor your boundaries and many that share your boundaries. Um, our, our, uh, our dating situation, we, we met and we dated for, I don't know, it's, it's been 47, 40, I don't know how many years, I can't remember anything anymore, but uh, we dated for probably about 10 months. And, and, um, just to be totally honest we got more physical than we should have gotten and I had no idea where I stood and I broke up with him and I was mad at him and I if you had asked me uh, do you know who you want to marry I would have said I know who I don't want to marry <laughs> okay so so a few months later she was wrong <laughs> a few months later I graduated from college and then I decided, to, I graduated in the middle of the year, and I decided I wanted to go to Bible school. And I went to Bible school in Canada for one semester. And then I got back, and here we were, still in this, we're still in this, he's still at my church! You know? And we, we, we were in this smallish college and career group, maybe ten people, and, and we would go to college and career meeting after church on Sunday nights, and we were the the discomfort between us was palpable mm -hmm. and and one Sunday night we 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 talked about it after after church and after that and we and we acknowledged we could never marry each other <laughs> and, but we decided, uh, we decided this we won't could, work we could be friends what a, what a concept and, <laughs> and and shortly after that I was moving into an apartment he helped me move and it seemed like we were spending every weekend together you know being good friends and four months later we were engaged and five months after that we were married but but okay I can remember telling people and we decided before we ever got married that we would never divorce that and and because of the experience we had had dating we decided that if we ever got so uh, if something ever happened that caused us to be so separated from one another and and in need of healing that we would separate but only for the goal of healing mm -hmm. and to come back together so so i mean i can remember early on telling people that we'd already been divorced <laughs> um now uh we were both virgins when we got married and and that is a that um, presents such a foundation for trust um, because temptation does not end when you get married. Yeah, that's good. Do you have anything on that and the benefits of 
If not, it's, it's fine. Well, <laughs> when you realize you're not going to divorce, it's not an issue. It won't even be considered because if you do consider it, you'll be tempted sometimes. When, when you put two different personalities together, it's not like the storybooks. You're going to live happily ever after. <laughs> You've got two people who are trying to coexist with each other. And if you can't talk and, and say, okay, we're, we're, we're going to talk about this and we're going to listen to each other, uh, you, you, you learn how, how, how to solve these problems. And it, you've got different temperaments, usually two temperaments, the same don't marry. So you've got the strengths and weaknesses of one marrying the strengths and weaknesses of a different temperament. And you can put those together and become a great team, or you can beat each other over the head with your strength and their weakness. But uh, if, if you don't realize that, that there's no, no divorce, then either we're going to live in misery or we're going to work this out, but we're not divorcing. That's so good. I mean, trust within any relationship is huge, right? I mean, think of your friends, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your fiance, whatever. If you don't have trust with them, your dad, your mom, whoever, think about how awful that relationship is. And boundaries provide trust, and that's, that's really good. I really like that a lot. Um, so we're going to go through this next part a little bit quicker. This is the story of David and Bathsheba. You guys all know it, so I'm not going to recap it really too much. Uh, but we just want to talk about it for just a second. So this is, I'll read a couple of the verses, but you guys know what happened to David and Bathsheba, right? Understand the story. Okay, so then it happened in the spring at that time when the kings went out to battle. David sent Joab, his servant, with them and all of Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbath. But David stayed in Jerusalem, even though it was a time at which the who went out to battle? King. The king. So was David a king? Yes. Yeah, so he wasn't out to battle. He was, um, maybe he didn't have a boundary there. We don't know. Okay, so now when the evening came, David arose from his bed and he walked around on the roof uh, at the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. Okay, so so far, he sees this girl, this lady, and does he have boundaries? So David sent and inquired about the woman. Maybe cross the boundary right there. Just inquiring. Maybe cross the boundary right there. Then he sends messengers to take her, okay, and to come and sleep with him. Definitely cross the boundary if he, didn't, if he had one right there, right? So he, we see this progression of David... Um, Sorry, I'm, I'm not going to say that. But we see this progression of David either not standing with the boundaries that he has or not having boundaries at all. So either he doesn't have boundaries or he just keeps crossing them. And so we don't know. I mean, we have to speculate a little bit with David. But sometimes, even with boundaries, I know for me, okay, because I'm married, you know, I had Haley as a girlfriend and as a fiance. So even with boundaries, temptation is strong, right? Temptation doesn't leave you alone when you say, I have boundaries. It's not like you don't have temptation anymore. So can you guys give us some things that we can say, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but add strength to our boundaries um, or things that help us stick with our boundaries when we actually have them in place, things that uh, kind of help us in that way? One thing is the double date. Mm. Double date with somebody who has this, who has the same goals as you. That way you you support each other. And 
and then when I was talking about the boundaries opening the door, mm -hmm. to have somebody can say, hey, I really struggle with this. I want you to ask me every time you see me how this is going because I don't want to lie to you. You know, mm -hmm. the, and the, if I know, I'm going to have to answer that. Yeah, that accountability. And uh, of course, the scripture, the scripture, God gives us the the boundaries, but we can choose to make them our own boundaries, or we can reject them. Mm -hmm. God doesn't violate our boundaries. Yeah. He allows us to, to, to choose to do this. Now, when uh, David went up there on that roof, I kind of wondered. Was that the first time? Mm. And when he inquired, that's flirting mm -hmm. with sin. Sometimes you may not intend to do it, but you kind of flirt with it. You kind of, and that's dangerous. Uh, Proverbs 5.21 says, For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. And then you get back in the, chapter 4 that says do not enter the path of the wicked do not proceed in the way of evil men avoid it do not pass by it turn away from it and pass on in other words he's saying run don't ask why just run and then he goes on a little later in the chapter and he says let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. David, when he saw that, he should have turned his eyes away. He should have left the area, and he should immediately start thinking about something else. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now because he didn't do that, what's the consequences of, of crossing that boundary? Well, he became an adulterer. He became deceitful in trying to maneuver Uriah to, to get him so he can cover up his sin. He became a hypocrite, appearing to be concerned for him when really was manipulating him. He became a murderer. He became a thief. He stole a guy's wife. And as a result, the sword never left his, his family. Hmm. He was publicly humiliated and his child died. All of that, I mean, it's hindsight. The temptation is so attractive, but we don't ever think about the consequences. We are God's children, and God disciplines his children, and he may just hum humiliate you publicly. As a consequence, you, your sins will find you out. You will reap what you sow. Yeah, and remembering that, understanding consequences and that there are things that are going to happen. That adds strength to your boundaries real quick, right? Um, another thing I was thinking of with this, and like sometimes we're like, well, you know, this isn't really that bad, or I can go this far, or I'm willing to compromise a little bit on my boundaries, or I can do this, you know? I mean, 
David, he could have said, well, I'm the king. I don't have to go to battle. I'm the king. I can look. I'm the king. I can send for. I'm the king. I can put your eye out there. I'm the, you know what I mean? And, and he's just going down this path, breaking one boundary after the other. There's something about power, too. Knowing that yeah. you know, you're the king, you, you have yeah. ultimate power. And for ourselves, I mean, none of us are... Well, are any of you kings or queens? Mm-hmm. I know. Okay, other than Gideon, none of us really have that kind of power, right? But accountability brings our power lower, right? Because ultimately you say to yourself, I'm in control of myself and my destiny, and no one can stop me. But if I have buddy that I'm going to go report to, then all of a sudden I, I don't have that control, right? I don't have that power in that same way and so uh, that is a good point I love that so uh, we're going to skip seven because we're running out of time Uh, but I want to go back to this just to remind you guys of this verse I adjure you O daughters of Jerusalem by the gazelles and the hinds of the field that you do not arouse or awaken love until she pleases so this verse again I love this in Song of Solomon it it says this verse it quotes this verse several different times and I love it because we need to stay pure. We need to have these boundaries in order to stay pure. This is accountability also. I adjure you, O daughter, she's adjuring somebody else. So how can uh, boundaries help us not arouse in love or awaken love before the proper time? And along with this, we're saying that the boundary isn't, there's not one boundary. Don't have sex before marriage. There's, there's more than that. And that's kind of what this question is. How can those boundaries or having more than that boundary help us? Um, not have sex before marriage. I, I mean, one of the things I want to say is we, we need to get to know one another well uh, before, before getting physical in any way. And um, that would mean to discuss boundaries beforehand. Um, also understand that our enemy, Satan, wants you to violate your boundaries. Hmm. He wants that. Um, and be, be dating someone who will not want to be a stumbling block to you. I'm going to skip to something that we might have oh, to. You're good. Okay. Um, <coughs> uh, I'm actually skipping to 10. Here. 10? Yeah. All right. Hey, so let's just let's go to 10. Okay. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important are boundaries? Okay, and then give us some of those boundaries. Get specific with us and show. Because we've got to be practical, right? can't just all sit out here and say, we all need boundaries. Good, let's go home. Right? Okay. Um, just some boundaries that, that we had when our, when our boys were teenagers. They were, they were not allowed to invite a girl home unless one of us was there. Well, uh, that's weird. Were, no one else does that. They were not allowed to entertain a girl in their bedroom. Uh, Buddy mentioned having your dates, or did you, having your dates in public places. Um, um, discuss boundaries early on. Lori, what was the boundary that you mentioned to us last night? Yeah, just that I had asked Brent when we were dating that he not tell me he loves me until he was ready, like, till he was going to propose. Yeah. Just, that just protected me, I felt like, emotionally. That way she would know when he's going to propose, too. I did. Double. <laughs> Double. <laughs> Double. <laughs> Double. <laughs> Double. <laughs> yeah. When he said that. <laughs> 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 and then also, <clears throat> there, there are your boundaries, but then, but then you, there are your date's boundaries. Um, and, and you need to pre-decide that you're going to protect the boundaries hmm. of the person you're dating. Hmm. Um, Okay, 
couple of last things I want to say. Um, girls, remember that, that boys and men are very visually drawn. They're very visually attracted. And so in, in protecting their boundaries, uh, modesty is, is key. Um, and there's not a lot of that going around in, in our culture. And then, then guys, to the guys, physical affection draws a girl emotionally. Mm. And she can think that she's in love with you when she's really not, and you're nowhere close to there, <laughs> you know. And, and um, growing up, I was acquainted with a family <coughs> that had four boys. And uh, whenever they had a date, their mother would remind them that their future wife might be out on a date with, mm. with someone tonight. And so she would challenge them to treat their date the way they hoped their future wife was being treated. Mm. Um, yeah, treat your date so that the so that when you go meet the girl's dad, he likes you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that was another thing we talked about respecting respecting your date, your, the parents of your date. Yeah, you know if they're saying. We want you home by such and such. You know, don't be late. Be early. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and other things. If you know what some of their values are. Well, and boundaries are good red flag indicators, right? So you go and you go on a date with somebody, and you say, "What are your boundaries?" And they're like, "What? What are boundaries?" <laughs> and you're like, "All right, you know, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> you know." And then you go on a date. And you know, you start talking about those kind of things. I mean, that's going to give you indications really quick, and and you're going to look weird if you do boundaries, right? I mean, it's weird to be a virgin before marriage, but just think if you're like, hey, I'm not going to ride in the car with you. I mean, that's you know what I mean because it's alone, alone in the car, or whatever. I'm not going to. I'm always going to be in a public setting with you, or like things like. I mean, you're going to be really weird, right? You're going to be really weird, but in the end, our whole goal here is to get wisdom. And we talked about this last week, and we're probably going to hit it every week, but blessed or happy is the man who seeks wisdom and understanding. Why? Because there's consequences of having wisdom, and there's consequences of having foolishness. And if we are foolish with our boundaries, there will be consequences, negative results in our marriage and in our life if we are foolish with our boundaries. But if we're wise with them, we're going to have blessing. We're going to have happy. And me and Haley had boundaries. And we did good on some of them and bad on some of them. The ones we did bad on, there were negative consequences for. The ones we did good on, there's positive things in our relationship, in our marriage still, that that's having an effect on that's, that we're uh, able to see. And so it's super, super important. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. We have time. I'm going to open it up for questions. And then after that, I'll have you guys give your one sentence of wisdom. Is that good? Okay, so we're going to open it up for questions for you guys, for Buddy and Barb. Um, we'll go through a couple of those. Yeah, Reese. What are some good boundaries to have? So what are some good boundaries to have? Uh, what are some good boundaries to have? Even if we've already mentioned them. Okay. Um, first of all, your parents are going to have some boundaries for you, right? I mean, um, your parents probably have an idea, either age-wise or maturity-wise, how old they want you to be before they're going to allow you to 
go out with one of those stinky boys. <laughs> um, well, also, your parents were put there by God as an authority. And that God is going to direct your life through your parents, even if, even if they make mistakes. So don't despise your parents. Uh, God may be directing you through them by, by, by what they tell you. And that gets really hard when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and you're still not married, doesn't it? It's it for me, right? Um, that's good. Other questions? Yes? Um, what are ways within marriage, for anyone that can answer this, that you have found that it's easy to keep yourself individual but also time together, but also making sure you protect the time that sometimes you do just need to have to yourself, um, but not being disrespectful within that? Um, how have you made that work? Within marriage, how, how do we have these boundaries? How do we protect the boundaries maybe of your wife or your husband? Uh, especially if you one needs time alone and the other one doesn't, right? Because like, my wife, my wife needs time alone, and I'm like, dude, I gotta be with people, right? And so when we first got married, we had a little trouble with this because I wanted to be with her all the time, and sometimes she needed her space, especially after an argument or something. And I'd be like, <laughs> banging on the door, hey, Haley, you need me in there, right? Because I would need you if I was crying on my pillow. So, right, come on. So how do how do we? How does this relationship within marriage, those boundaries? See, I, I, I'm a little ADD. I'm very easily distracted, and then I lose my train of thought, and this is why I have notes. And I'm just old. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I need to be alone in order to think. This, my way of learning is to read. That way I can stop, think about it, and go on. Whereas when somebody's talking to me, they just keep talking, and I've stopped to process it. So I need time alone. So almost every morning I go out by myself. In the morning, I read my Bible and my pickup. Hmm. And then, uh, it, but you've got to understand that this doesn't mean I don't want to be with you. Uh, you have to make sure you, that's clear. We had a date Friday night. Now, we went out to eat. And when you're, when you're, when you're as old as we are, then you go looking for glasses because you need new glasses, so it's not it's not real romantic. But one thing I was going to say is, <laughs> you you learn about each. I mean, you learn a lot of things you didn't know before, and I, I learned things I probably should have known before. You know, like I would ask him constantly, "What are you thinking?" And he would say nothing, and I would think, "Well, you're just lying to me. <laughs> you know, you're thinking something you don't want to tell me." And girls, it is possible to think of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. And I, I mean, I think too. I mean, communication, right? Uh, within, so once you get married, you got to communicate about those things, right? I, I had to communicate with Haley, and then she had to communicate back to me, and to what we come to this understanding of, hey, she actually needs time alone. That doesn't mean she hates my guts, and I need to talk things out. That doesn't mean I'm some overbearing person, but I don't think when I'm alone, I can't do it. I have to think when I talk. That's why God made me a preacher. I have, to, you know, I have to talk to think. And so i got to talk things out with people, and I'm an audible learner, and i got to hear it and talk it. And so me and Haley are way different, but we got to communicate on that in order to set those boundaries. Because now it's like, hey, I have this boundary that if she's you know, alone, 
that's fine. And I, you know what I mean? And, and if I need to talk to her, that's fine with her. You gotta communicate to set those boundaries, I think, um, within the marriage. We have a communication boundary that I'm just thinking about now that we've never resolved, and that, and that is that. <laughs> well, let's resolve it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, like, like he said, he needs time to think. You know, so I'll ask him something. Uh, should we do this, or do you want to do this, or do you want to do that? If he doesn't answer me, then I assume the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, then we come up to whatever that is, and he's like, I never said I wanted to do that, you know. Yeah, uh, that's the same. Yeah, same with Haley. You know, Haley and me actually. So. I, I, I mentioned earlier personality types. One time we bought a book on personality types, and because it was raining at the cabin where we were at, we started reading this book together, and we thought, Yeah, yeah, I don't think like that. Do you, do you think like you do? <laughs> <laughs> this is the way you think, really. And, and we kept doing this kind of thing. I mean, we were learning a lot. Uh, to, uh, to, you know, I, you just tend to think everybody thinks like I do. Yeah, they yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah, that's but, but this helps you understand each other. Helps you work. With. I had my boss one time took that book. I had it at work. He's standing in front of me, and I'm adding up some. I didn't know he was there, and I looked up and scared me to death. And he says, "What's this?" And he, and I said, "Well, it's a book on temperament types and how how they how they can fit together." Oh, really? And he picked it up and he started thumbing through. Well, I underlined books. And I had underlined the melancholy temperament, which is what I am. And he says, is this what you are? And I said, yeah. He says, can I borrow this book? And he took it in his office and he read that chapter and he changed how he dealt with me mm -hmm. at the job, which was great for me. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, it's cool. Okay, we have time for one more question. One more question, if anybody has one. Yeah. Like uh, David's situation where you think you can cross that boundary because no one will find out or you have the power? And that's the thought that goes through your head. What thought would you uh, consciously suggest to fight that temptation? So what you have that boundary? So what thought would you, what thought would you actively have or renewal of mind would you have to help yourself when you feel like you have the power and the authority to cross the boundary line and you'll be safe and it'll be okay and there'll be no consequences? Or like anything you go back to. Yeah. Or anything. Well, there's two things. One that would scare me the most is being found out. Public humiliation, which can ruin your reputation for the rest of your life. But on the other hand, going along with sexual temptation is your fantasy. And if you think about it, fantasies are always perfect. You don't think about somebody having bad breath. You don't think about <laughs> everything is perfect, and it's not. And this is where those scriptures I read about run. If the, if the scripture tells you that this is damaging, I mean, look what all happened to David from that. We don't tend to look at the results. We, own, we don't even think about that. We just think about what's attractive to us. And that's extremely dangerous. When Joseph ran away from Potiphar's wife, he was saying, she has bad breath, she has bad breath. <laughs> <laughs> so, one sentence. One sentence if you had to give wisdom to all these younger people. One sentence. I know it's hard. I told... Uh, Adam last week, it needs to be a Peter sentence, not a Paul sentence. But you can, if you got a Paul sentence, that's fine. Um, 
Only we, we have it. Well, we just have one. You have one? Oh, you can use that one. I've got another one. Oh, oh okay. See, okay. <laughs> uh, my one sentence is go into marriage with the goal of being a servant. Mm. And we're going to talk about that next week, by the way, because I think it's such a big deal. And I think the scripture points it out again and again and again. When you go in with that perspective, it changes everything. And I would say get as much of the scripture as you can because that's where your boundaries are coming from. Mm. Walk in the spirit and do everything you do in love. Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.